Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ sermon series. Bienvenidos a la serie de sermones de Harrisburg Brethren in Christ, where our vision is to be a thriving, diverse, urban church sharing Christ's love and serving the needs of our local and global communities. Here's an example of what you hear. If God was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, he's powerful enough to break these chains of addiction on me. He's powerful enough to break the generational curses in my family. He is powerful enough to stop the senseless violence in Harrisburg. I'm telling you this morning the incredible truth that Jesus Christ is crazy about you. Helping each other to experience God's love, God's power, God's healing. Helping to change one another's lives. Church can continue to be a place, or church can continue to become a people, my people. Let's pray. And now here's this week's sermon. Check it out. God bless you. Well, it was good to see a, a male choir up here. Right, right, rise up, O men of God. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Although it took a woman to whip, whip him into shape. So... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20 today. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Today's sermon is on prayer. And if I were to sum up what Paul has just said in these scriptures I just read, it would be pray, 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 and then pray. Paul says that even after you have put on the full armor of God, even after you've put on the helmet of salvation and taken the sword of the Spirit and put on the shoes of peacemaking and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, there's still something else you have to do. That will not be enough. You have to pray and then pray some more and then pray. You know, and, and, and I like the way he starts. He just basically says, pray all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, pray for all kinds of stuff, everything you can think of. Pray for the saints. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ engaged in the same war you're engaged in. Pray for me that I might have the words to speak. Pray for me to have courage. Paul twice mentions that. It kind of helps me to know that sometimes even Paul got scared and said, hey, pray that God will give me the intestinal fortitude to do what I need to do. Today I want to talk about intercessory prayer. Prayer is essential because the only way we can see God's kingdom come and his will be done is if we join with him in prayer. For some reason, God has made us partners with himself. He has made the coming of his kingdom to some degree dependent on our prayers and our obedience. Mere human action and thought only touches on the surface of things. But prayer gets past mere appearances. It goes from the visible to the invisible. And it is the invisible that the Bible says over and over again that determines what happens in the visible. Remember when Jesus asked his disciples who he was? 
And they said, well, some think you're John the Baptist. Come back. Some think you're Elijah. Come back. Some even think you're Jeremiah. And then Jesus turned to Peter and said, but who do you say that I am? And we remember his answer. Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Did you notice what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, wow, Peter, you have amazing powers of deduction. Oh, your superior intellect has won the day, Peter. He said, Peter, there is no way you could have ever figured this out on your own. What was revealed to you, Peter, came directly from my father. Peter's insight into who Jesus was required a supernatural revelation. Only God could have showed you this, Peter, Jesus said to Peter. This came directly from him. Ultimately, only God can show us the things of God. We might try to disciple people around here, but we must never forget that the real discipler here is the Holy Spirit. If he doesn't disciple people, nobody else can. Only God can show us God. Only the Spirit of Jesus can make us like Jesus. Only God can bring in the kingdom. The work of the church is God's work, not the product of human ingenuity and intellect or flesh. The terrible truth is that churches can fake it for years. They can run without God. They can go through programs. They can do lots of nice things. And we have the church in North America to prove that. When Hans Kung wrote his classic book on being a Christian, which is 602 pages long, not one time did he mention prayer. When asked why, he answered, I forgot. How can you write a book on the Christian life over 600 pages long and ignore prayer? Prayer is our life stream. Prayer is our connection to God. As Ben Patterson wrote, when prayer is moved to the periphery of the church, it can only mean that God has been moved to the periphery of the church too. How about that? A church that's supposed to glorify God, not inviting God into the middle of it. We make an idol of activity instead of listening to God and, and doing God's will. All work in the kingdom of God begins with prayer. It ends with prayer. If it doesn't start there, it doesn't start. Timothy Keller, who great pastor and writer, even though he's Presbyterian. I can make fun of that. I grew up Presbyterian. I know what a sorry bunch we were. He says, in the second half of my adult life, I discovered prayer. In the fall of 1999, I taught a Bible study course on the Psalms. And it became clear to me that I was barely scratching the surface of what the Bible commanded and promised regarding prayer. Then came the dark weeks in New York after 9-11. He was pastoring in New York. When our whole city sank into a kind of corporate clinical depression, even as it rallied. For my family, the shadow was intensified as my wife Kathy struggled with the effects of Crohn's disease. And finally, he said, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. At one point during all this, my wife urged me to do something with her that we'd never been able to muster the self-discipline to do. She asked me to pray with her every night. Every night. She used an illustration that crystallized her feelings very well. As we remember it, she said something like this. 
Imagine you are diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss this or you would die. Would you forget to take the pill? Would you not get around to it on some nights? No, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. Well, if we don't pray to God together, she said to her husband, we're not going to make it. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let this slip through our minds. Maybe it was the power of the illustration, she said, or maybe it was just the right moment, or maybe it was the Spirit of God, or most likely of all, it was the Spirit of God using the moment and the clarity of the metaphor. But both, for both of us, the penny dropped. We realized the seriousness of the issue, and we admitted that anything that was truly a non-negotiable necessity was something we could do, was something we must do. The fact is, is that prayer is non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable necessity for us all. Isn't that what Jesus said? Without me, you can do nothing. I take him at his word. Prayer is the absolute essential of kingdom building because we don't build the kingdom without the power and the presence of Jesus' spirit. So what is intercessory prayer? Well, I like the way Paul kind of did this. He kind of eases us into it. He starts with praying our lives. Pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, Paul says. Pray your worries. Pray your pain. Pray your joy. Pray your needs. Pray your fears. Pray when you go to work. Pray when your marriage hangs by a thread. Pray when you need God's power to stay clean one more day at a time. Pray on all occasions that matter to you. And when you pray your life, guess what will happen? Inevitably, you will begin to pray for others who affect your life and beyond. If you were to ask me at its heart what is intercessory prayer is, it would be this. Intercessory prayer is the act of loving people to God. Now, I do a lot of things in intercessory prayer, but a lot of times it's not loving people to God. It's complaining people to God. It's griping people to God. But as one writer put it, envision taking a person by the hand and presenting them to the Lord in love. That is intercessory prayer. When you pray for someone, say to yourself, how must God feel about the person I'm praying for now? How would Jesus treat this person? How would Jesus talk about the person to the Father? And while you're praying, Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Now, that may mean tongues. At least that's what my Pentecostal friends tell me, and I'm cool with that. But I think it means more than that. I think the deeper meaning of this is, as we pray for someone, listen to the whispers of the Spirit as He directs the prayer. Listen, what burdens do you feel as you pray? What insights do you gain as you pray? What nudges in your heart do you feel yourself nudged toward? Try to pray with the Spirit. Ask, show me what you want done here. Here here are my desires and my best thinking. I often don't know how to pray as I ought. 
what do you want Jesus? Now, you have to be careful when you pray this. When you say, what do you want Jesus? Show me what you want so I can be a part of what you're doing. Place me in the stream of your love for this person, Holy Spirit, and let us pray together. When you do that, anything can happen. Virginia Owens tells of her practice of laying out requests before God in evening prayers and then listening for his response. She asked God, guide my prayers. She said one night she waited in the darkness. She heard nothing and she finally drifted off to sleep. In the early morning hours just before dawn, she awakened and found herself weeping profusely. A memory had come to her of an old spinster aunt who had moved in with her family when Virginia was a young teen. Virginia had been promised a room of her own, but with her aunt's arrival, her brother got the private room and Virginia got the consolation prize, a semi-invalid aunt as a roommate, the last thing a teenage girl wanted. Over the weeks and months that followed, Virginia barely concealed her bitterness, showing it in a thousand subtle and caustic ways. And that night in bed, years later, the Spirit showed her her life and her heart. And she said, by now in this early morning light, I was feeling for the first time the scalding shame this elderly woman must have felt. Moving from house to house to house, never having one of her own. Totally dependent on the good graces of nieces and nephews for the very necessities of life. Never in all my years at home, or indeed until now, had I given a single thought to about how she felt in that situation. But now, because of the Spirit, Virginia Owen said, I was getting a full dose of it. The pride that had, that had to be swallowed daily in a galling gulp that my aunt had to go through, it was more bitter than I could bear. And the next evening, Owens repeated the exercise, offering her petitions to God and then listening a while before falling asleep. And similar things happened. Virginia found herself weeping for the lost, weeping for those in bondage, weeping for those in pain. You know you are truly engaged with the Holy Spirit in prayer when you feel the pain and the burden the Spirit himself is carrying. The Holy Spirit bears our pain. He prays our pain to the Father. And when we join with the Spirit in prayer, we will bear that pain too as the, as the Spirit prays through us. Did you... Now, that's not exactly what a lot of people want to hear. What? Prayer? Pain? Burden bearing? This is what changes the world. This is what makes things different. This is intercessory prayer at its deepest level. That is praying in the Spirit. It is nothing less than joining in the work of the Trinity for the salvation of the world. It was praying to the Father. You want to know what real intercessory prayer? I made this up. It's going to, Hank talks about bumper stickers. Here's a bumper sticker. Intercessory prayer is praying to the Father in the love of the Son, in the flow of the Spirit, for God's will to be done. It rhymes. Did you notice? <laughs> Let me say it one more time. In, praying to the Father. In the love of the Son, in the flow of the Spirit, for God's will to be done. Uh, if, if you use that, I, I'm, I'm suing. Anyway, 
By the way, when you pray like this, watch out. God answers prayer. It's what we read earlier with 1 John up there. It says that when we pray according to his will, we know we will get an answer. When God wants to change the world, he starts by changing our worlds, our hearts, our minds, our lives. He enlarges our hearts. Praying in the Spirit expands us. When we pray God's thoughts and goals and desires and love in the Spirit, it enlarges us. It makes us bigger. I love what John Ortberg says about this. He says, it's very, in a very important way, you will be defined by your problems. You will be defined by your biggest problem. You can choose, if you want, to devote your life to the problem of how can I be rich or how can I be successful or how can I be healthy or how can I be secure? Or you can devote yourself to a nobler problem. You, I, your identity is defined by the problem you embrace. People with small souls have small problems. How to make their lives easier or more convenient. How to put an irritating neighbor in his or her place. How to make wrinkles less visible. How to cope with cranky co-workers or lack of recognition. Small people, he says, are occupied by small problems. People who live with largeness of soul are occupied by large problems. How to end poverty. How to stop sex trafficking, how to help at-risk children, how to save the lost, how to bring in the kingdom of God. You need a God-sized problem for your life to take on meaning. If you don't have one, your current pro then your current problem is you don't have a big enough problem. Most people don't look at it that way. They say, I have too many problems. Jesus says, no, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get a good big problem to build your life around. Do you have not just personal problems this morning? Do you have kingdom problems this morning? How big is your soul getting? What are you praying for? If you're just praying to look better and be more popular, for, I got news for you. The Holy Spirit is not very interested in that agenda. He is interested in saving the world. He's interested in transforming you. He's interested in your lost neighbor. He's interested in people struggling to eat food. He's interested in bringing the kingdom in its fullness. Get a big problem and pray it. Praying in the Spirit, like I said, expands us. And so we pray. And you know that when you pray, Christ is changing you in ways that you might not even realize until years later. But we pray because only the Spirit can do God's work. We pray because only God can bring life. We pray because only God can heal the sick. We pray because only God can defeat evil and transform minds and hearts because only God can raise the dead. And let me remind you, we were all spiritually dead. Every Christian in this room has been raised from the dead. In John, in Revelation, chapter 8, 
he describes for us the impact of saints praying. John saw the throne, throne room of God and an angel standing before God Almighty with a golden censer, with incense coming off of it. You know, a censer is that thing you kind of, you know, you wave. If you've been to a Catholic church, they wave that. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, incense is coming off the censer, John saw, and it was mixed with the prayers of God's people on earth. So there was an incense mixed with prayers, and these prayers mixed with incense changed the atmosphere of heaven. God is seen as breathing in the prayers of his people. Think about that. God is breathing in the prayers of his people, taking in the aroma of the hearts of the saints expressed through anguished cries. Please know this. Before prayer changes the atmosphere down here, it changes the atmosphere of heaven first. Our prayers become, as God breathes them in, a part of the mind and the heart of his being. God can no longer ignore your prayers. Then he can cease to exist. Our prayers become a part of him. And then, as John describes it, something remarkable happens. These prayers and incense are mixed with fire from God's altar and they are hurled back down to earth. And the result of this mixing of prayer and the fire of heaven, John tells us, is peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake that shakes up everything down here. Have you ever wondered if God ever hears your prayers? Have you ever felt like, what difference does my piddly prayers make? Does anything really change? Hear the witness of God's beloved disciple, John. When we pray, cosmic power is unleashed, first in heaven, then on earth. The world is shaken when God's people pray, whether we experience the earthquake here and now or not. The universe, both visible and invisible, is profoundly altered as God breathes in our prayers and casts fire back upon us. At some point beyond our control or our ability to predict it, God will work when we pray. A storm will be created and unleashed when we pray. And the status quo will be shaken and reordered. Demons will be sent flying. The lost will be found. That's what happens when we pray. I love this quote by Annie Dillard. She's a Christian Pulitzer Prize winning author, and she says this about prayer. Does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I suggest, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT enough to kill a Sunday morning. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to the church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. That is what John said and saw and felt when he looked at the throne of God. 
My friends, here is the bottom line. Prayer changes things in ways we may immediately recognize and in ways we won't. When we pray, the atmosphere is charged and changed. Invisible storms are created that will shake the world. Answers will come. Some you will expect and some you won't. I've told this story one time in my 37 years here, but I felt led to tell it again. It was about the night I was saved. I have one sibling. Her name is Linda. She was here a few weeks ago. And uh, uh, she, she's really a, a beautiful woman. She, she looks like me. And... Uh, and she has red hair. That comes from a bottle, my friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, my sister, my sister got saved when she was 10. She was watching a Billy Graham crusade on the television. And when he said, you know, to, you can give your heart to Jesus Christ right where you are, my sister took, took him up on it. And she gave her, and I remember her sitting in the living room crying as she gave her heart to Jesus. She was 10, I was 11. My sister prayed for me faithfully for the next eight years. Faithfully. And as she prayed for me, I got worse. Drinking stuff. <laughs> And when I was 19 and she was 18, after eight years of prayer, my sister belonged to a local Pentecostal holiness church, and, and right next to it was for the state of Virginia, the Pentecostal holiness campground. And they had, like, like at Roxbury, once a year, they, for a week or two, they would hold camp meeting. And my sister went to this camp meeting. And the last night of the camp meeting, on June the 25th, my sister went to the altar one more time to pray for me. And she knelt at that altar, and God only knows how long she stayed at that altar, and she prayed. She had this incredible burden, and she wept, and she wept for me. There, there was a, a, actually a, a small puddle where she was praying at the altar. And finally, something in her broke. And she said, Jesus, I'm done praying. He's all yours. I give up. I'm not praying for him anymore. He's yours. I give up. That was about 9 o'clock on Sunday night, June the 25th. Of course, I wasn't at camp meeting. I was out with my friends, and I was going out that night to smoke some weed with my friends and I went to pick up the guy I was going to smoke weed with. And an hour and a half later, it was 9 o'clock. I went out at 10, with my, I was with my friend at 1030. And Jesus found me in the front seat of a, my old station wagon. And Jesus saved me an hour and a half later on the front seat of my old station wagon. And I was utterly shocked. And I know I am a Christian today because what happened at that altar an hour and a half earlier. Fire was cast down from heaven. Jesus got me 
shook me up, surprised me, and saved me. And a month later, he did the worst thing of all. He called me to be a preacher. (laughs) I am here because of my sister's tears. And I am here because fire fell from heaven. Every one of us here today is here because somebody prayed for us. Every one of us here today is here because Jesus prayed for us. Every one of us is here today because God still does miracles. Fire comes upon the earth when we pray. And our prayer is that the fire of heaven will fall on us. You know, I, I feel led. I think the staff feels led. It, actually, I, the Lord spoke to me through Pastor Linda at a staff meeting when she said, you know, almost 20 years ago, this church was at a crossroads. And we took a year and prayed. And God dramatically led us to where we are now. And she said, I think... We need a year of prayer again. We need to go deeper. We need to pray for all the things. we got a lot of moving parts in the transition right now. We need to pray for wisdom and guidance. And we need to pray for God to move among us in fresh ways. We need to pray for fire to fall. Amen? This is not... This is not North American Christianity to say, you know, we have to do something hard. (laughs) But prayer is hard, especially if it's intercessory prayer. Especially when you feel the pain that is in God's heart as he holds the pain of the world in his heart. It is not easy. But if we join with God in prayer, and we make this next year the year of prayer... I have no doubts about the transition, and I have no doubts about the future of this church, and I have no doubts about you. I think we will be just fine because I think God has fresh fire for us. I think he has fresh words for us. I think he wants to take us some other places that things are not wrapping up because I'm retiring. Things are going to get just get getting started when Pastor Hank takes over. This is what we are called to do, though. This is God's church. We need to hear from God. This is Christ's church. We need to hear from the head of the church. Don't you agree? And so to this, I want this, from this September to the next September, I want it to be the year of prayer for this church. Will you join us in this? Will you be a part of it? Like Monday night, September the 11th, we'll have a night of prayer. And I like those nights because we actually sit and listen for God to speak to us and then share what God is saying as well as anoint and pray for people. That's that's Monday night, September the 11th. But we have an intercessory prayer group headed up by by Mary Lou Rugg and Anna Peachy. We have, I really like that that, uh, among the men's group, not only are they starting to sing, I think they're starting to pray. And... uh, and I like that, that Tim Johnson has been asking people to join him in prayer on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings. Obviously, the Spirit is up to something. 
Let us join in the flow of the Spirit as he takes us where he wants us to go. This is his church. Now, I'm going to shock you. The sermon is over, and there's still 20 minutes left in the service. And here is what I'd like you to do. If you need to go, the service is over 20 minutes early. If you want to pray individually or get with some people and pray that God's will will be done in this church over the next 20 minutes, you may do that. There's complete freedom in this right now. No one will think less of you if you go out the door. I may go with you. But, <laughs> but I'll come back, as Terrence said. <laughs> but I invite you to listen, to take a, some moments of silence and listen to the Spirit. And I invite you to join with other people in praying that God takes us individually and corporately where he wants us to go. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a final song. I'm going to ask the intercessors to come up. And they will pray for you about anything. And then you do what you want and, or as the Spirit leads you.
may go now if you need to go. The service is over. somebody or you can pray by yourself but do it do as you will